Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Hello, and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's buzz, one simple word, things. Yes, things. What does that have to do with us? Let me tell you. I have a question to ask. What's your POV? Listeners, you know, that's your point of view. On the Internet of Things and M2M. If you've been hiding under a rock, that's machine to machine. M2M technology. Do you think it's real or is it vapor? Do you think it's here now, today, real time, or is it future? Well, if you're still in the dark about all of this, let me just give you a little background. The term Internet of Things was proposed by a man named Kevin Ashton way back in 1999. Yes, that was another millennium. Who can believe it? This means equipping all objects in the world with tiny identifying devices that can transform life as we know it or as we've known it. Well, we're now in 2013, and according to an ABI research study, get this, write this down, more than 30 billion devices will be wirelessly connected to the Internet of Things by the year 2020. Do the math. That's less than, just a little more than seven years from now. So the big question is, since we're here on the Business Channel on Voice America or World Talk Radio, what does the Internet of Things mean for your company? Well, it means a lot, according to IT decision makers in six countries who were surveyed by Harris Interactive for SAP. A majority of these decision makers who were polled believe that, and I quote, companies that fail to implement machine to machine will fall behind their competitors could be scary for you. I have two marvelous experts on the panel today. Just two, that's right. We're packing the house with two specialists on this topic. Let me tell you what they told me before the show, and then we're going to hear from them in a moment. My first guest is Don Peppers from Peppers and Rogers Group. And I'll tell you about Don in a minute. But he says, when devices begin to join the Internet of Things in vast numbers, as will happen in the next 10 years, they won't just talk to you, they'll talk to each other, and guess what? They'll begin to make smart decisions themselves. Lights, thermostats, door locks will learn your habits, your habits, and begin adjusting automatically. I'm not sure if that's scary or exciting or delightful. We'll hear from Don in just a minute, and he'll tell us what he really means by that. And our panelist, second panelist today is Benjamin Wesson from SAP. Benjamin's been on the show before. I'm glad to welcome him back. And he sent me the following quote. Sometime in 2008, now that's five years ago, the number of things connected to the Internet exceeded get this, exceeded the number of people on earth. That's from Berg Insights 2012. Indeed, says Benjamin, every time you turn on your car, guess what? The car is capturing telemetric data that's going to be analyzed later by your car service people. Hmm, those are some fighting words. So join us for the next hour for more insights on the Internet of Things and you. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to live episode number 101 in our series, SAP Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio. Delighted to be here. Happy post-Labor Day to all of you who celebrated here in the U.S. Today is Wednesday, September 3rd, 2013, and I hope you'll stick with us for the next hour. If you're not listening live, you can find us afterwards on demand. We'll, on, we'll be 
be on the iTunes podcast library and on the business channel forever and ever, as far as I've been told. So let me tell you about my guests. Don Peppers has been recognized for over 20 years as one of the world's leading authorities on customer-focused business strategies. He's an acclaimed author and a founding partner of the Peppers and Rogers Group, the world's premier customer-centric managing management consulting firm. He has clients on six continents. Don has personally and directly counseled or consulted for the world's largest companies, including, talk about name-dropping, Don, Microsoft, Bank of America, British Airways, T-Mobile, Merck, HP, Saudi Telecom. Don, I had to cut the list because we wouldn't have any time left on the show. I'm just going to welcome you and, and mention that you were named to the Times of London's list as the top 50 business brains. Welcome, Don Peppers. How are you today? Thanks, Bonnie. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. That's some stellar bio there, kiddo. We're going to hear a lot from you on today's show. And in just a minute after I introduce Benjamin, we're going to go back and find out what you meant by your quote. Benjamin Wesson, as I said, is no stranger to SAP Game Changers Radio. He's the Vice President of Product Management for the SAP NetWeaver Cloud in the Core Technology and Innovation Platform team at SAP. Benjamin brings over 15 years of experience to this role. He previously launched Dexterra a mobile midware company, and the Salesforce.com platform. Before Salesforce, he held a variety of product management and engineering roles at PeopleSoft, Siebel, and other companies. Benjamin Wesson, welcome back. How are you today? I'm doing great, Barney. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for joining me again. This is a big topic. There's a lot. So many people have heard little bits and pieces, the Internet of Things, the Internet of Everything. So let's start with Don. I'm going to read your quote again, and let's take a deep dive and find out what this is really all about. You say, when devices begin to join the Internet of Things in vast numbers in the next decade, they won't just talk to you. They'll talk to each other, and they'll start to make smart decisions themselves. You said lights, thermostats, door locks will learn our habits and begin adjusting. Is this good? Is this scary? What does this really mean to not only individuals, but to companies, Don. Give us your point of view. Well, I think it's very exciting, um, uh, tremendously exciting. For individuals, what it, what it really means is that the, um, that the environment around you is going to get smarter and smarter. Uh, uh, going into a store, a physical store, will be increasingly like uh, going to a website where the, the store remembers what you want, remembers what you had last time, Remembers that you don't like to get served this way. You don't like to get interrupted uh, when you're shopping. You want to look at the product demos. It'll, the, 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 literally, the store will remember things the way a website, an online uh, website, does now. Don, is this a little bit of big brother, big sister, whatever gender you want to make big in the future? Is this a little bit intrusive for some people, or is this something that, that I know we're talking retail in particular now, but is this something shoppers will welcome? Is it a, an age thing, a generational thing, a gender thing? Who will love being treated this way? Well, look, I think all change like this is a little bit scary to some people. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Some people were frightened when the car rental companies remembered what kind of contract you signed last time so you didn't have to fill it out again. But I personally find that a great convenience. And I think the same kind of convenience will trump people's fears of this, especially because of another trend, which I think is very, very important. And that has to do with the the fact that the more we are connected with each other, the more important uh, trust will become in defining our relationships, and uh, trust makes things efficient. Uh, So I I, I think both these trends are going to be very important. 
Very interesting. And and before I turn to Benjamin, I have another question for you, Don Peppers. When you say the store will remember, now look, you walk into a store, there are still supposed to be people there, somebody to perhaps greet you if you're walking into Selfridges, maybe. Okay. I haven't seen anybody greeting me at Macy's in a couple of decades. There should be somebody to take your money, maybe somebody on the floor to say, may I help you? Or would you like me to help you find that in another size, especially in the shoe department, Don, or the hardware department? However, how does this translate from the store, as you said, knowing you, your habits, your preferences, your history with them, to the people who will actually implement that knowledge? Is there a disconnect or is is that the big challenge, Don? Well, well, I think the idea is that the devices are not going to substitute for ordinary human warm contact person to person. That's that's never going to be replaced by machine. Uh, uh, but they're going to supplement that kind of uh, human contact in the same way that when you call a call center today, a smart call center uh, will equip its rep with a script that's armed with triggers from your previous interactions. So they don't have to ask you the same thing over and over again. They don't have to, uh, and that is a good call center, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, a good store... Uh, the salesperson will be equipped in the same way with the record of your past interactions, a record he could not possibly remember with his own human brain, uh, but which is accessible to him primarily because the machines and devices and things are remembering themselves and making, making these memories available. Okay, good start on our topic. Really, that really sounds like science fiction, but but uh, I'm, I'm speaking very generally, but there are already mm-hmm. cameras in stores that can, can um, trigger different promotions as a new customer walks by or, or show you product demos uh, uh, on demand. Interesting. Thank you, Don. Good to start the topic off, and let's bring Benjamin in. We have about four minutes left to this segment. Benjamin Wesson, you told me sometime in 2008, just five years ago, the number of things, I'm putting that in quotes because that's part of our title today, the number of things connected to the Internet exceeded the number of people on Earth. Let's stop right there. How is that possible, Benjamin? What kind of things did they count at Berg Insights when they did this report? They count virtually everything, and that's how these numbers become so staggering. Every manufactured product is being designed from the outset with connectivity in mind. Now, we're at the very beginning stages of this industry, so businesses and consumers are still trying to make sense of what to do with all this data, decide what it really means. But the reality is that the companies that make these items are slowing down. Uh, They know that this information is going to be key and their goal is just to unlock their devices and and make them connected to the internet. So if you look around your home, things like your refrigerator, your washer and dryer, your uh, HVAC system, all of these things will be connected to the internet if if they're not connected already. And if you look at your office, everything from the uh, the lights uh, that are illuminating your desk to the emergency systems to the water cooling, everything that makes that office a fun place to be or at least a, 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 you know, a place to be that you can actually get some work done. These systems are all connected to the Internet, and the reality is that 
the number of systems out there far exceed the number of people. And so it's no surprise that we crossed that milestone. And I think that we're just accelerating this curve that we're at the very beginning of. It, it, for some reason, I'm channeling a, an image, uh, Don and Benjamin, an image of the Flintstones. And I'm thinking we were looking at this silly cartoon that wasn't probably so silly how many decades ago. And it was what we could expect in the future. So how far into the future are we already? It's nearing the end of 2013. And how much futuristic dreaming and planning and hoping can we even hope for? Benjamin, I want to ask you, uh, you added to your quote, you said, every time you turn on your car, and this is today, the car is already capturing telemetric data to be analyzed by your service personnel. So what year cars did this start in? I'm not asking you to be a car historian, but approximately, because I'm thinking how many people may not realize they're already part of the Internet of Things. Any idea, Benjamin? Well, that's an important point. The Internet of Things has been around for a long time. So mm-hmm. your, your car, regardless of the model, it, it probably has some kind of serial interface. And even if it's not wirelessly communicating telemetric data, what happens when the mechanic takes a look at your car is that they plug in a serial port and start downloading information about things like the braking system. So this started as soon as the systems in your car became controlled by electronics and and computer processing. So everything from the fuel injector to the automatic braking system, all of these things are governed by algorithms and firmware and computer technology. And so it was very shortly after these items made it into your vehicle that the need to service them and inspect them and determine whether they're performing correctly uh, emerged. And so this has been going on for a long time. Of course, the changes that you may notice uh, from the outset are are more modern, the, the infotainment system in your car and the notion that your car is constantly connected, not just to satellites for your GPS navigation, but to Internet systems for notifications from your dealer and uh, potential offers, all of the types of use cases that, that maybe are futuristic today, but that are now possible because of the technology that was put in place some time ago. Thank you, Benjamin. Appreciate that. You know what? We're up against our first break. There's nothing uh, futuristic about that. The time is right now. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thrilled to be here talking about the Internet of Things and M2M, if you want to talk about it that way. My very special guests today are Don Peppers from Peppers and Rogers Group and Benjamin Wesson from SAP. When we come back, a lot more. We're going to ask our panelists, what are you drinking today? present time. Maybe they'll tell us what they'd like to be drinking instead. When we come back, don't even think of touching that dial. 57 seconds. Start counting now. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. 
SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And here we are. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, and it's time for me to find out what my panelists are drinking today or wish they were drinking today. Let's start out with Don Peppers from Peppers and Rogers Group. First of all, Don, where are you calling from today, please? I'm in uh, Philadelphia, in a hotel in Philadelphia. Okay, so you must have a little bit of the same weather I've got here on Long Island. Should be sunny and high 70s, something like that. Nice day? That's not bad. Not bad. I'm looking out at the uh, office buildings and landscape. It's uh, you know, it's not bad. And okay, I'm drinking, good. I'm yep. drinking diet coke. I like diet coke. I don't <laughs> drink too much coffee in the morning. I can only drink coffee. It's like that's like putting gasoline on a fire. Uh, so I only drink <laughs> I only drink caffeine after a, an afternoon nap, which is which I take very strategically in in, uh, in these days. I love it. Now we're we're doing uh, up close like and personal diet, with that. I like my diet coke out of the can. Out of the can, and I'm assuming. Like well, did it did it come out? Did it come out of the hotel refrigerator? So is it cold? Just starting to warm up a little bit? No. Uh, uh, what I do is I, I uh, when I get into a hotel, I go out to the nearest deli and I buy the cokes by the can and bring it in and put them in the hotel fridge because I just can't stand to pay the five dollars per can price in a hotel. <laughs> You know and saying? travel travel Just, tips with Don Peppers. Thank you very much. The principle of the thing offends me, you know. Uh, you know, I think you're right, and and a lot of people think it, but they don't say it in public. And I'm glad you did. Maybe we'll get more travel tips from you during the show. Right. Benjamin Wesson, where are you calling from today, and what's in your cup? So I'm on vacation here, calling from Hawaii, where it's Ooh. five in the morning, and I'm drinking what else? Kona coffee which was imported from about 100 miles away at a neighboring island. Are you serious? You're to- doing radio with me on your vacation in Hawaii at 5 in the morning? What a guy. Hey, Benjamin, I opportunity. You are, a, you are well, I'm, we're, a we're very, what a guy is, right? This is amazing. Let me see now. We have to talk about Malcolm, my co-producer, Malcolm Kimberlin, said he's sitting warm and cozy. He's in Palo Alto. I'm sure it's warm and cozy with his Phil's coffee brewed one cup at a time. Always a little plug. I want to say also, uh, Malcolm is tweeting with us today, SAPCRM. Somebody with that banner over their head is tweeting and tweeting and tweeting and, and capturing the words of wisdom from Don Peppers and Benjamin Wesson and our hashtag, if you'd like to join them, is SAP Radio. That's S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O, lower, uppercase, whatever your pleasure. We also want to do a shout-out to Margot Heiligman at SAP, who is tweeting her heart out here. And thank you, Margot. If you want to tell me what you're drinking, we'll be glad to read it on the air. So I want to continue what we started in my last little comment with Benjamin Wesson. And before the break, you said every time you turn on your car, the car is capturing telemetrics to be analyzed by your service personnel. Well, Well, I have a very nice segue here in uh, a talking point sent to me by Don Peppers. And let me read this and then Don and then we'll get Benjamin in as well. You say a research team in Japan has developed technology that can recognize in quotes 
a car driver, car's driver from the pressure exerted by his or her, here's the polite word, posterior. I'm going to say their tush. I'm allowed to say that on the radio. By their tush on 360 different sensors in the car seat. Because everybody's body is different, okay, the system is ideal for preventing theft. But it's also likely useful for spotting driver fatigue or inattention. Talk to me, Don. Who is this research team? And, and is this in practice yet? Can you get a car that realizes your butt in the seat, as we say, see bodies in the seat? So how, how, how realistic or futuristic is this right now? Well, uh, this is a real project going on uh, 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 right now. It was documented in the book, uh, uh, Calculate This, Algorithms. And, and it was a... Um, uh, it's an interesting uh, idea because every human body is different. And basically, you could think of this as a new way to recognize people from behind, if you want to think of it that way. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and don't forget what, what, what we're talking about here. Um, uh, what Benjamin said is the car is full, is full of sensors today. Those sensors today generally track the engine, oil, oil pressure, uh, timing, uh, uh, and, and so forth. Uh, but in the future, your sensors will track your tire pressure, your um, the occupants in the car, whether the driver is um, the owner of the car or not. This could prevent theft. It could, pre- it could prevent the driver fatigue, uh, and uh, it, it can relay that information, uh, perhaps uh, to the real owner of the car or to the manufacturer, or or it could just store it, and make it available later. Interesting. Now, how will this be marketed? And Benjamin, you can jump in on this one too. What will a car, uh, a car manufacturer say? Now you can get it with butt recognition or with, well, uh, I don't know. How, how, how would you lure somebody to buy that particular but, car, Don? Funny, you got to think about it this way. I get in my car and suppose the mirrors and radios and everything adjust exactly the way I left it last time. That's what's okay. going to happen. Uh, now, right now, the car could probably already do that today, even without those sensors, if a person is carrying a smartphone uh, with Bluetooth capability in it. So you, you get in the car, you got your smartphone on, and the car is technically capable, you know, of recognizing who you are by the device you have on you. But this, this car could recognize you by the way you sit or, the, um, uh, or sprawl, or, or, um, and it'll adjust the seats the way you want it. That's an example. That's just an example of the kind of service that you could get from a technology like this. Very interesting, Benjamin. Thoughts on this and the extension of we're talking about from telemetrics to actually recognizing the body, the persona, if you will, top to bottom. I suspect of the driver. Any any thoughts? Any research bottom, come across bottom, your desk on that? Bottom to top. Bottom, bottom to top. Bottom Sorry, to top. <laughs> I sit corrected, Don. I sit corrected. Go ahead, Benjamin. Yeah, well, you brought up a great point, which is uh, who's going to pay for it? And uh, yeah. all of these things are, are, are absolutely great. Um, and every iteration of, of automobile out there is going to come with more and more of these luxury-type features, which, of course, be heavily marketed, and they're going to be used to attempt to differentiate one car from another. But the reality is that the people who make these cars are looking for ways to juice a little bit more money or or at least to open up new potential revenue streams uh, from their consumers. And so what manufacturers will start doing, and they've already started this, start offering plans like a predictive maintenance plan with your car. Mm-hmm. And what this means is that in addition to a warranty, the car will actually be monitoring itself. And you can think of the experience as being flipped on its head. I mean, talk about bottoms up. 
you know, in the past, if I'm driving my, you know, Audi down 280, uh, you know, I might notice that the engine light comes on, but at that point it's too late. You know, I've got a certain number of miles before I need to pull off the freeway and do something. Mm -hmm. In the future, what will happen is that I'll pay Audi for a predictive maintenance plan, and out of the blue, I'll get a call from Audi that will come through the speaker system in my car and say, hey, the check engine light is going to come on in five minutes. I've already made an appointment at a dealer that's en route to the location you're driving based on your navigation system. All you have to do is stop in there. They'll put some oil. They'll clean it up. Now, people are going to pay for those types of things because they're more than just conveniences. I mean, we touched on the drought. Safety. People will pay for safety, exactly. And so if they start marketing these features and if they, if they make this a real value add to consumers, they'll open their pocketbooks. But it has to be more than just, you know, the mirrors uh, remembering the way that you set them up the last time. It has to be a meaningful service, and uh, that's, that's how businesses are going to monetize this. Thank you. And I want to talk about, uh, we just mentioned a survey or some research about in Japan about what we're, we're discussing about the bottoms up, uh, seat recognition, if you will, in the car, uh, with Don a second ago. But I want to talk about what parts of the world are climbing on board this bandwagon of Internet of Things and M2M. I have a couple of talking points here from Benjamin. I'd like to have both of you talk about it. Benjamin, you cite a Harris Interactive study from 2013. You say the U.S. and EMEA, Europe, lag significantly behind APAC countries and developing regions in terms of M2M adoption. That's one point. The second is you said the Internet of Things is being adopted unevenly across industries and geographic locales. What explains this and will change over time as the Internet of Things becomes mainstream, and, and how can we explain this? So, Benjamin, why don't you start this, and I'm last on to jump in on this as well. well. Well, sure. Now, I think the geographic differences are accountable from a number of factors, but, but one of them just has to do with the infrastructure. And you've got incumbent telcos, which tend to be one of the frontline companies trying to monetize the Internet of Things, and uh, they're still making money and having to pay for a lot of infrastructure that was created to do things like, you know, broadband. Well, in a lot of developing countries, they've, they've skipped over this. They've gone straight to cellular connectivity without investing heavily in, in, in broadband. And while that's definitely an infrastructure investment, it also means that products are designed to be wireless from the outset. So there is the infrastructure hurdle. Uh, there, there's also the, uh, the notion of different industries. And so industries like fleet, they've been doing this for a long time. And by fleet, I mean like commercial vehicles. Mm-hmm. So um, they've been doing it because there was a clear ROI and there were um, things like insurance, fuel, wear and tear on vehicles that they could immediately see getting return on. So, so for example, every time uh, a vehicle has a hard stop, every time it has a rapid acceleration, every time it has a turn, these types of things can be monitored and to whatever extent possible, driver uh, behavior can be corrected, which minimizes wear and tear on the vehicles. Even things like the location of the vehicle in a fleet are important. So these are where the Internet of Things started, and now it's moving into 
uh, other spaces. So, uh, but these this movement is is by no means at all uniform. So mm-hmm. certain things like um, you know home automation, we're we're hearing a lot about that. Uh, there's certainly a lot of products out there, but uh, it's really not a money maker yet, and we're really at the infancy of, of what we could potentially do in your home. Whereas, again, things like uh, oil and gla- oil and gas refining, which has safety ramifications, things like uh, fleet, are, are fairly well established. So it, it, it was really curious to look at the results of the study and see both the geographic and industry disparities. Very interesting. Don, you want to jump in here? I have a couple minutes before the break. Your thoughts on the disparity, as Benjamin put it, the unevenness across industries and geographies for M2M and Internet of Things. What do you observe? Uh, well, I, I, don't des- I don't observe that quite as big a disparity as, uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, as we're just talking about. I, I, I think what's happening is that the, there are different cultures, and obviously there, are, there, there is unevenness in the technology development. But you see... What you see, I think, uh, in the United States is a very customer-driven uh, form of innovation, and that's that's very different, I think, than the culture in Europe, which mm-hmm. is not really customer-driven. The, the uh, innovation, and, and my my IMHO, as they say uh, online, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and I think uh, in the developing world, especially in the BRIC, well, countries like Turkey, where we have a big operation in Turkey, this extremely entrepreneurial culture there. Uh, extremely innovative, uh, some some really uh, leading edge thinking in, in, in terms of uh, of um, uh, adapting technology to help customers and, and and get more from their products and services. Thank you, Don. You know what? You successfully took me right up to the edge here. We're at the halfway mark. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, thrilled to be speaking to two really smart people about the Internet of Things. And when we come back, uh, we're going to find out what about an appetite app. I'm going to ask Don Peppers to explain what scientists in the U.K. are working on. Maybe I'm ready for that one, Don Peppers. We're talking to Don Peppers and Benjamin West, and we'll be right back with a lot more of the Internet of Things and Benjamin's going to give us a reference to why Cisco is using that and how. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that app, that dial, that mouse. Brad, out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at twitter hashtag saprado now let's get back to coffee break with game changers 
Here we are. We have a lot to cover in this segment, but first I have to do a shout-out to Margot Heiligman, who's tweeting, as I say, tweeting her little fingertips off here, and she says today she's enjoying her San Pellegrino sparkling mineral water glass bottle or nothing okay margo thank you for that appreciate that she's tweeting at hashtag sap radio and we invite you to join us we've got malcolm there as well in sap crm i saw don peppers there earlier before we brought him on the air we want to do a little level setting here on terminology i know companies are very sensitive to their branding we've been talking about the internet of things we also hear the term the internet of everything benjamin wesson why don't you just give us a little history of the term and then we'll move along with our discussion talk to me Sure, very briefly. We already established that the Internet of Things, loosely defined, or machine-to-machine technology, has been around for quite a while. Every company has put their own brand on it. The Internet of Everything is the label that Cisco uses to describe their offerings in this space. Uh, Industrial Internet is the way GE describes it. Uh, Smart Planet is what IBM talks about. We're all essentially saying the same thing. So these these terms, while they may confuse the discussion, need not distract us from the real matter that we're talking about. So it's important that we both respect the uh, brand and, mm-hmm. and uh, go-to-market strategies that these companies have, but at the same time, uh, I, I think it's also important to clarify any potential confusion there. So just wanted to make sure people understood we're all talking about the same thing. Thank you, Benjamin. I appreciate that. And now uh, I want to say I have an appetite for more knowledge about this. So sorry, bad pun, Don Peppers. I want you to tell me about the scientists in the U.K. who are hard at work on a microchip that can turn into an appetite app. Give me a break. How far off is that and when can I get one? Don, is it real? The news, news article I read was just a few months ago, and it said that they thought they were about five years away from being able to implant a microchip near your vagus nerve, which, which controls your appetite, tells you when you're hungry or not. Theoretically, that microchip could, in fact, uh, stimulate the nerve uh, up or down so that, let's say you're trying to lose weight, you could just... Um, uh, call up your appetite app on your smartphone and turn off your hunger, uh, as an example. Now, the, I, I think there's a danger in that. Frankly, I think you're going to find, uh, uh, you could, you could find a, a whole history of anorexia there, uh, very soon. Yeah. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting idea. And, and by the way, it's, it, it is perfectly aligned with the way the Internet of Things is connecting up the human body. The other day, somebody pointed their smartphone in my face and, and read my heartbeat. Uh, with an app uh, that can uh, read your heartbeat from your eyes. Uh, the, um, uh, there's the Nike uh, apps and so forth that track your heart rate, and, and um, you know, we're all getting wired. Very, very interesting. Well, some of us who use caffeine, uh, I don't. They don't let me have caffeine on show days, Don. I think you and I can appreciate that. Uh, as far as getting wired goes, uh, I want to to dial this back a little bit to something I said in the beginning of the show. And let's talk about the impact of Internet of Things, Internet of Everything, M2M, on our audience. We are on the business channel at Voice America, a.k.a. World Talk Radio. We might not have retailers listening today, or we might. We might 
not have manufacturers or car companies listening, or we might. What if we have among our listenership today, and, and the show will be on demand in a couple of hours, available online on the iTunes podcast directory and, and on the station and all over the place. So the question is, what does this really mean? What's the impact on anybody who's listening? Let's say it's a consulting firm. Let's say it's a doctor's office. Let's say it's somebody who is a CPA. Let's say it's somebody who is a, uh, a dress designer. What does this all mean to them? And the, what I wanted to quote, Don and Benjamin, was what I put into my opening notes was the ITDMs, IT decision makers in six countries who were surveyed by Harris Interactive in a study commissioned by SAP. And they, the majority of these surveyed ITDMs said the following – Companies that fail to implement M2M, machine-to-machine, will fall behind their competitors. So my question to both of you, let's start with Don, is which companies will fail? What companies need to do this? And does this apply to everyone, or will half of our listeners be uh, understanding this as, I'm a consumer, I will be benefiting from Internet of Everything and M2M as a consumer and not as a participant in business. So, Don, sorry for the convoluted sure. question, but talk uh, to me. Uh, okay, I'm going to clarify very quickly. When we talk about Internet of Things, what we're talking about is devices that, A, have sensors, B, have mm-hmm. memories or processing power, and C, have communication with other machines or, or whatever. Um, Good. The environment is becoming like that. Now, a company that simply implements these kinds of things as a way to make more money is almost certainly going to fail because consumers will have the same kind of uh, you reaction to it as you had when we talked about Big Brother and so forth. If, mm-hmm. on the other hand, you implement your uh, – if you embrace this Internet of Things as a way to bring better consumer convenience – better customer information to customers themselves, more uh, 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 a better-fitted product, a lower price, um, uh, uh, more trusting environment, then you probably can make money. Okay. Interesting. So you have to basically mine the benefits of the Internet of Things to benefit your audience, your target you customer, wherever they you, are. If you don't benefit the customer, you have no reason for being. And customers will figure that out very, very quickly, more quickly today than they did before because customers are connected themselves. Yes, they are. Thank you for the clarification. I appreciate that. Uh, Benjamin Wesson, join us on this one. What's your point of view, your IMHO, if you will, on on who will benefit and and what companies should be paying attention? And how can, for example, in my question, how can a doctor's office benefit from this? Or how can a CPA benefit from this? Or, I don't know, uh, somebody down the street who's selling soap. uh, How will they benefit from all of this? Sure. Well, after the novelty of this whole thing wears off, it's mm-hmm. going to be a little bit harder to make money than it was uh, in the past because it's not just connecting a device. I mean, Don mentioned several criteria that collectively need to be there to create something meaningful with the Internet of Things. And so businesses that are going to profit are those businesses that are making higher value services, so more than just a convenience, but something that really changes the game something that, that, that fundamentally changes the way that we interact with the world around us. And so it's up to those businesses to identify in their particular industry what that means to them. So, for example, for doctors, there's all kinds of fantastic uh, use cases. I mean, talking about the consumers bringing it themselves, people with these devices, as we were just discussing, these Fitbit, these, uh, mm-hmm. these armbands, they're actually – 
wanting to make this information available to their physicians. So they're actually creating their own health care and trying to participate actively in this process. But even more broadly, I think that the medical space is an, is an ideal breeding ground for this types of technology. I look at things like radiology, and mm-hmm. we could apply uh, some type of mathematical analysis to the vast majority of, let's say, MRI scans, uh, we'd be able to greatly reduce the workload that a radiologist had to do because they'd only be looking at those items that really required their attention. And the reason I bring this up is because it's, it's, it's a great use case. It ties us back to comments that we made at the outset about this really being the interaction between people and machines. And, and it's really mm-hmm. the intuition, in this case, that a doctor brings and the computational scale that the Internet of Things brings coming together that makes this meaningful and makes this potentially viable from a business standpoint. And Benjamin, Thank- Benjamin, what, yep. what I just done um, uh, on that point, it's a very good point. The the fact is that the Internet of Things is creating this vast flow of data, informationalized informa- uh, uh, data that the big data that we all talk about, which can do a variety of things that small data can't do. There's a company that monitors the positions of mobile phones and creates traffic reports in over 100 U.S. cities, for instance. And that benefits everyone, whether they're going yep. to or from work or to or, to or from shopping or wherever they're going. I, I have a question for both of you. we got, uh, let's see, almost four minutes left to this part of the show. I want to ask, let's say somebody's listening and they say, gee, this really sounds like interesting, fun. I could benefit from this as a consumer. I want to get connected. I want to be part of the Internet of Things. What do they do? Do they go out and buy a newer smartphone? Do they wire up all their computer equipment with the better router? Do they start downloading a 100 apps on their their smartphone what does somebody do i can tell you what i can tell you what you can do right now you could go to a website called twine t-w-i-n-e it's a startup basically twine is a little machine that uh, doesn't cost very much it runs on three batteries and you can wire it to different things to to notify you or, or to either to text you or or email you when your washing machine finishes or when a door opens or whatever. Uh, it's a self-programming thing. It's, and it was funded by Kickstarter. This is amazing. This is, this is an incredible revolution we're just about uh, uh, in the middle of now. I was almost being facetious when I asked the question. I had no idea. So people can be proactive is what you're saying, Don. Absolutely. Go and get the Absolutely. app and just start putting things together. Now, I have a, a funny, funny thing to bring up here. We've never used a word, this particular word on the show. I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but I will will mention this little factoid Don Peppers had the dared to send me, and we'll see if we can talk about it in polite company. Uh, Benjamin, you may have seen it in the in the notes in the meeting invite. In the 1990s, Don, you know where I'm going with this, an Italian exactly. engineer, yes, in the 1990s, an Italian engineer filed a patent for a microchip equipped, I'll just say it, a condom, that would play music if it was ripped while in use. Today, such a fill in the blank, would notify you by text and perhaps provide a link to the nearest pharmacy. I'm sorry, kids. LOL, I can't help myself. But the question is, 
really, really, Don? not really did you send it to me, yes, you did, but really, Don, is this another extension where, and we're talking safety, we're talking health, this is not a joking matter, we're talking uh, birth control, we're talking a lot of things by this little thing that we like to joke about. So did he get anywhere with this, or is this well, I, a thing of the past? I, I don't know where he got, but it was a real patent, it was filed in the 1990s, and actually it was a title of one of the chapters in one of Martha Rogers and my early books, Enterprise One to One, one of the titles. One of the chapters is called The Musical Condom, uh, and it was about the increasing automation. You know, Benjamin says the Internet of Things has been around for a while. We've been writing about it for 20 years now, uh, and it's just now really coming to that tipping point. Uh, but today, if I, if I were that Italian engineer with a, with a condom uh, that's microchip equipped, the microchip would, would literally send out a text message or uh, – uh, <laughs> Or, or, or some other kind of alert to the smartphone carried on the person. I'm so glad to know that. No comment from this side. You know what? <laughs> Perfect time to take a break. Not a rip or a tear, but a break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. <laughs> Sorry about that. Ooh. They're listening yeah. to Coffee. I know. Coffee You're Break not. with Game Changers. <laughs> you too. Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. I have two really smart guests today. We're having a wonderful time, but we're talking about something serious, the Internet of Things, connectivity, M2M, benefiting you as a business, betting you, benefiting benefiting you, your family, your loved ones, and the world as consumers, as users. Yes, we'll be right back, and we'll find out what the future of Internet of Things is. If it's real today and not vapor, what's the futuristic side in the next five years? My guests are Don Peppers from Peppers and Rogers Group and Benjamin Wesson from SAP. And Brad, my engineer, says, darn, those guys are smart. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that app. Brad, out. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are, je pense donc je suis, Coffee Break with Game Changers. Our topic today is the Internet of Things and you. We're talking connectivity, machines talking to each other, with you in mind, of course. How can companies harness this power the right way to build trustworthiness and benefit their constituents, their audience, their customers, their colleagues, their industry, the world, and how can you as a consumer benefit as well? We've covered a lot of bases here. Oh, yes, we have. We've even had some good laughs, and now it's time for me to ask my 
my two esteemed panelists, Don Peppers and Benjamin Wesson, to look ahead in that crystal ball. I don't know. Don and Benjamin, maybe you have an app that's already polished off the crystal ball for you. More power to you if you do. So, Don Peppers, let's kick this off. Can you look ahead a full five years for me to 2018 and tell me, will we even be talking about, quote, unquote, the Internet of Things? If not, what do you think it'll be called? And what will this discussion be like five years from today? Benjamin, Benjamin, you're next. Don, go. Um, I think in five years we'll see the glimmer of something really interesting. Uh, You know, the truth is that uh, human civilization and technology is all based not just on human intelligence, but also on our sociability, the fact that we interact with each other, that we share ideas, we split things up, we divide tasks. When machines communicate with other machines, they're going to become social. Uh, now, I, I don't don't laugh yet because we're not really talking about human intelligence being social. We're talking about machine intelligence uh, being social. Cars that drive information, let's say, as an example, when when cars become robotic, they'll drive information. They'll be sensitive to other cars and so forth. So the sort of the social element of machine-to-machine technology is only just now really beginning to be realized. Uh, so. You know, you'll right now uh, and for the last ten years or so, GE's jet engines have communicated with GE if they were about to fail. But soon they'll communicate with the other engines. Hey, I'm about to go. You guys got to ramp up. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to see social interactions among machines. That's that's my prediction. Okay, and social interactions among machines. All right, I'm seeing robots talking to each other. I'm seeing on the big movie screen, I'm seeing them saying, hey, how's the sensors going? Great, I just added another 45 million uh, data points here, and, and gee, I'm really helping this. Is is that the kind of thing you're talking about, Don? Will we be seeing movies that won't even be sci-fi? They'll just be what's really happening, where the robots will really be talking to each other in the world? Well, robots is a sci-fi uh, uh, vision, but it's really it's really reality. And basically, what we're talking about is machines that communicate with other machines for the benefit of the whole, uh, rather than the benefit of either particular machine itself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's really all okay. we're talking about. Okay, good. Benjamin Wesson, I'm going to come back to you, Don, and ask for more in a minute. Benjamin Wesson, what do you see? Give me a, a nice set of predictions here five years from today. Can you go that far or you want to go even farther, Benjamin? Well, let's start with five years. I think even within that time span, we, we won't be talking about the Internet of Things as a separate business. We'll, it'll just be part of manufacturing. Uh, the Internet of Things as we think of it today will just be part of your car. It'll be part of your washing machine. It'll be part of, of the wind turbine that's generating power for your house. So I, I think the, the novelty of these terms will wear off, but I think that mm-hmm. we will start to see increasingly sophisticated use cases. I like Don's prediction about social, and I'll take it one step further. Please. I think that the machines, in short order, will start learning learning from each other and from the environment around them, just the way that we learn from participating in a conversation or being part of the environment around us. So a wind turbine will learn to become more efficient by looking at the output of other wind turbines, and it will adjust its behavior accordingly. So it's that next level where we start doing pattern recognition and start doing mathematical transforms to evaluate what's the most efficient way to operate or what will happen if I try this or that. Um, And this will just be going on 
around us, sometimes with our knowledge, sometimes without, but we'll all be participating in this larger ecosystem. Sort of like the movie, like... the beauty, beauty and the Beast. Remember that movie with all the, yeah. all the, all the, all the tools are alive. Well, it, you know what? It sounds to me like almost a pack mentality, or, or pardon this, but keeping up with the Joneses robots in terms of, hey, yep. he's more efficient. Hey, he's getting more productivity. I better ramp up here. I want to bring in a, another point, Don, you sent me before the show that's, I think, perfect for where we're going with this, even though we're in our, our wrap-up of our crystal ball segment. You say, in a few years, robotically, there's a word I brought up, in a few years, robotically driven cars will be available. And within a generation, probably, this is scary to me, the vast majority of cars will be robotic. They won't need drivers, but Don, I love my sports car. They won't need drivers to operate, but that means they won't need owners either. Damn, sure. rather than if park your is, own if, if, yeah. if a car can drive itself, why do you need to own it? You could just call one up when you need one on your smartphone. That's right. Uh, and, but rather than park your car in the garage when you need transportation, you just use your smartphone. You say, hey, I need a car. But will we be able to pick the Mercedes from the Jag, from the, the 370Z, from the, the Honda? Well, How, it depends, I guess it depends on your app. But also, the, the <laughs> you know, the pizza delivery uh, will come in a little tiny car that carries pizzas but not people. The um, uh, your UPS delivery will come in a, in a, in a truck that doesn't need to, uh, a driver. You, you're going to see a tremendous amount of automation in the physical things that we inhabit these days uh, um, as sensors and intelligence and communication among machines increases. But what happens to jobs, Don? It sounds so fun. It sounds so cool. It sounds so scary. If we get rid of all those people, what will happen to, I don't know, if the cars are taking care of themselves, they're probably on their own maintenance schedule. They probably have electronics that will help uh, engage other machines to repair them. What happens to those industries? What are the people going to do who used to work in those industries and sell well, the cars, for example. That's the question that's been around forever, right? That's uh, yeah. what, do, what, do, what do horse and buggy owners, uh, makers do? What do, what, do, uh, what do shovelers do when the steam shovel is invented? What do, I mean, obviously, automation does put people out of work, and it creates disruption in the short term. In the long term, it frees people up for much more creative endeavors. The real question is, What's our education system going to do to keep up with mm-hmm. this kind of rising demand for intelligence as opposed to simply labor and, and, and uh, um, you know, uh, cipher work? Very, very good point. Benjamin, you want to chime in on this for just a minute? I can give you one more minute before I start to do the close. Wrap up. Sure. So I, I think that in some cases it means people who are doing something today will learn something new to do tomorrow. And in other cases, I think it will just make – what we do today easier to do. So Don, Don's predictions aren't aren't really that hard to believe. If you look at like the airplane industry, the planes practically fly themselves, and you could argue that flying a plane is at least as complicated, if not more so, than driving a mm-hmm. car. So, so the, but but yet we still require a pilot, and and that's an important thing about machines is that they know how to react if they've seen something before, if they've learned it from another machine. Um, the plane doesn't know how to land on the Hudson River. Um, so we still need pilots. We still need these mm-hmm. people to step in um, in certain situations and, and really foster this interaction. So, so yes, it's a huge opportunity for people. Yes, some people will be displaced and learn new new skills. But, but together, uh, I, the goal is to make uh, life easier for everyone. 
Thank you very much. And you know what? I'm going to take the last two minutes for myself. I'm selfish that way. I have a question for my Game Changer listeners. If you're wondering how mobility, we kind of been talking around that one today, can transform your business, learn the key ingredients of a successful enterprise mobility strategy. Go to any banner on our show page. There are all kinds of yellow banners floating around on the business channel that say SAP. Click any banner. You'll go to a page where I have a whole bunch of free offers, including a CIO playbook that will give you exactly what you need. It's on us. Now, Now, let me tell you what's coming up. September 11th. Is that really next week? I can't believe that. Um, let's see. Engaging your customer. How consumer and social data can support a good marriage. September 18th. Equipped to compete. Discussion based on Oxford Economics Research Studies. Starting next week. On the 10th, we have HR Trends with Game Changers, brand new series, 13 weeks, all kinds of discussions about diversity and inclusion, preparing leaders, empowering leaders, great series, wonderful lineup of guests, very excited about that. That will be starting Tuesday, September 10th, and will be on 12 noon Eastern till 1 p.m. And you can still go listen to On Demand, our financial excellence with Game Changers. Go look for that on the business channel. I want to do a special thank you to Don Peppers and Benjamin Wesson. Don, thank Thanks for taking time out of your very busy schedule. Such a pleasure to speak with you today. I appreciate your time. Wonderful. My pleasure. And Benjamin Wesson on vacation in Hawaii. Really? We are flattered you took the time. I have a shout-out also to Malcolm Kimberlin, my co-producer and partner in crime here. Malcolm says we're attached to the brain, and it doesn't take M to M to do that because we're still not robots here. And to Brad and the Business Channel team, appreciate all your support. Here's my call to action. Okay, kids, put your seatbelt on. Are you ready? What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off for a another live edition of SAP Coffee Break with Game Changers. We'll talk to you next week. Tuesday, we'll be starting our new HR Trends with Game Changers series. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.